you and me we carry memories that we just can't see buried deep inside and though we try to leave those moments so so far behind they will soon collide another time maybe as the years go by we will find hey in their present pursuit of entertainment education some adjective to be named later don't stand on proudly presents Trek West 5 Glomer podcast science fiction politics humor pretty much whatever else they want to talk about your host Trek West 5, Joey, Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 175. I am Peter. And I am Joey. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, I, Spectacular. I've, I've been listening to the edits Such and I'm like... enthusiasm. I, I always sound... I'm like, and I am Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should uh, mix it up sometimes say, I'm Eeyore. <laughs> I, I thought I'd just throw a little twist into it. Well, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. I'm I'm kind of down. I was not really down, but just really, well, down. Let's just say down. Um, I was like on the cusp of like at the end of work, I was just like, you know, uh, let's just sit here and play Unreal Tournament for a few hours <laughs> and just call it good. Um, just a long, long week. It has been a long week. That's true. Um, but uh, good things happened. Uh, for the company as a whole, it's just it's a lot of work on my end for sure. I'm sure I'm confident that's going to mean more work on your plate down the line, <laughs> um, but you know, not necessarily right now. It, it's exhausting. Just yeah, exhausting. I actually uh, I had a phone conversation this week with the chair of the Utah County Republican Party. And told him he may need to start thinking about who he'd like to appoint as treasurer if I find I need to step down. Yeah. Because I'm just too busy with work, plus the commute, plus I've just received a calling in church. Yeah. That is a very time-consuming calling. And I'm, you know what? There's just there's not enough Joey to go around. Which is weird because you're enormous. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that way to put that in perspective. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I stand by that, uh, insult there. I stand by that. Um, nonetheless, it, the, the week is over and I guess, I, I don't know. I, I would just like to sleep. <laughs> That's all I would like to do. Well, and... I guess you probably have more of an opportunity to do that than I do because I apparently I'm going visiting with the in-laws this weekend. Yeah. You told me about that and I, it sounded terrible. <laughs> Sounds awful. Look, I like the guy. He's great. He's my brother-in-law. He's he's a great guy. Out of all of her siblings, he's the one I get along with the most. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I don't feel like I need to go to a grown man's birthday party. (laughs) Just putting it out there. Maybe he doesn't have any friends. Don't feel like I need to go to a grown man's (laughs) birthday party. (laughs) Not sure how that changes anything. (laughs) Okay. Well, I listen. I if it were up to me, I would say you don't have to go. Well, thank you, Pete. Yeah, I'll I'll call my wife and tell her. Yeah, 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 yeah. You totally should. 
Um, okay. Any any other spectacular news we want to give? We're, we're taking the next three weeks off again. Is that how this goes? Is that the I plan? don't know. We've, this is the second week in a row that we're recording, so <laughs> I think that's you know almost I kinda too this, much. I kind of at this point am actually wanting to get done with Battlestar. <laughs> is that just because of what happened this week? Uh, no, it's actually it's been brewing for a little while. Oh yeah, you know, we uh, we've been doing the uh, the podcast yes for many years now. It's taken extra long to yes. get through this, um, and on top of that, we have been doing that Wheel of Time yep read through. I don't know who was responsible for the write up this week, but I don't think it happened. I didn't get my write up until like Sunday, yeah, and it's due on Tuesday. <laughs> Um, I was a week, I'm, an entire week late posting mine. Um, I wonder, I'm just throwing this out here, Joey. I haven't talked to you about this at all. I'm not saying we should do it, but I wonder if maybe we should put a halt on this. On the podcast? No, not the podcast. The oh, okay. podcast first and always. <laughs> no, the, the read through? The read through. Just to, uh, it just, it seems like it involves so much until we get into a cadence at work. Because, honestly, for the last almost three months now, it's been hurry, 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 let's do awesome on these projects, and now we've got the contracts. <laughs> like, I'm hoping that they're going to slow down to a more realistic pace. Well, we know one of them is not. I don't know which one is that. The LDS church contract. Well, no, that that one is still technically considered a proof of concept. Yeah. And there is a start and an end date, you know, that's in November for that. But that's super aggressive. No, it, it's actually fine because we get to determine the things that we're going to build. We're going to be the ones who say, this is what's going to be built for this proof of concept for both of these sites. And that's what's just going to happen. Here's the, the time frame to be able to do this. We're going to be honest and say, we can get all of these items done and then that's it. Like, we're not going to do anything more past that. Okay. So I'm not as worried about it, but it is still, you know, something that once we get to that point, there's supposed to be a, okay, we can relax for another month, month or, or so yeah. while the, while they decide the, the final the purchasing contract. Decision gets yeah. Made, yeah. Yeah. Which they're going to go with it. But it, it, anyway, um, I'm just throwing that out there. Think about it. Okay. It's possible you may have been the one who hasn't done the write-up this week. That's probably true, right? <laughs> I usually rely on either you or Curtis to remind me that it's my turn. That's actually part of the reason I posted a week late is because I was like, whose turn is it? And I went like, like oh, crap. Yeah, <laughs> That would be me. Um, I don't know how we'd do this because you made up a really big spreadsheet and we'd have to alter that out a little bit. Um, anyway... So it's something to think about. Just think about it. Okay. That's all. It would be one less thing I have to do. Yes, I hear you 100%. <laughs> and to be fair, I am enjoying the book, and I am enjoying the reread. I liked our discussions that we used to kind of have about it, but those have stopped. Yeah. Like, we don't even talk about it. And most of my write-ups have been, yeah, here's what happened. Yeah, That's my wife actually it. mentioned the other day, she said, you know, I'm worried it doesn't seem like you and Pete are as good of friends since you started working there. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? She's like, well, you never tell me stories anymore. You don't come back saying, oh, here's what happened to Pete this week. 
all it is, you come home and you're just like, uh, work, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's kind of true. Pete and I don't just talk. It's, if we have a communication at work, it's usually very directed. We get, we talk about some customer's need, and then we both turn back to our computers and go back to work. We are efficiency <laughs> at, at, the, at the very best. Um, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think someone needs to congratulate us for managing to stay as effective. Pete, congratulations on being as focused at work as you are. Finally, someone's noticed. <laughs> um, Joey, I need to talk to you about trying to stay <laughs> more focused at work. <laughs> How did you not see that coming? <laughs> you know, it's a good question. How did I not? That's just how much off my game I am, apparently. <laughs> um, anyway, that, that that was unnecessary for the rest of the listeners. But now you know a little bit about what's going on with us. Um, sh- um, I've got an email to read from uh, from one of my buddies. Okay. And he's written in before. He started, when we started in on Battlestar Galacta, he kind of wrote in a couple of times. Um, and he's actually been a part of our reread. He's made a couple of comments. Okay. The Duke. Okay. If, uh, if that helps you at all. Uh, he sent in an email. Uh, he has been trying to start up a podcast. He wants to do one. He wants me to help him out with it. Um, nothing as, you know... Uh, um, Ambitious? Yeah, ambitious is a great way to put that as what we do here, but still he wants to to do this. So I've been in talks with him and I I think it kind of prompted him to I don't know, participate in our podcast for a little bit and that's great. That's fantastic. By the way, this week is Jared. Jared. Oh, yes. no one reminded Jared probably. Yeah. Yep. You're next week. Am I? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I go after Jared. I'm always after Jared. Um Okay, so this is from Sean, uh, the Duke, listener Duke. He says, After taking a few months off from the professional level of pod listening, I am trying to catch up. While I am many episodes behind and thus will not be uh, in any position to do any part of the content of this week's episodes. However, I did have one thing I wanted to say because I will forget by the time I get caught up. One thing that has annoyed me in every military film that I have seen to date has been the complete disregard to the proper technique in saluting another member of the armed forces. According to the Army Study Guide, the proper technique for saluting is as follows. The proper way to salute when wearing the beret or without headgear is to raise your right hand until the tip of your forefinger touches the outer edge of your right eyebrow, just above and to the right of your right eye. When wearing headgear, the forefinger touches the headgear slightly above and to the right of your right eye. Your fingers are together, straight, and your thumb snug, along the hand in line with the fingers. Your hand, wrist, and forearm are straight, forming a straight line from your elbow to your fingertips. Your upper arm, elbow to shoulder, is horizontal to the ground. Now, you got a little kink in your, your yourself there. There you go. Mm. Um, by the I, way, Joey was, Joey was, to, was trying, trying to, to get follow things it. right. Yeah, to, I, was, I didn't know that there was that specific of a set of instructions. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think General Washington would be turning in his grave at your salutes. Probably. Uh, he continues, I have never understood why this is always overlooked. Do they really have nobody that has any military experience that works on set? Ever? I kind of doubt it. So, to this, I have two possible solutions. A. Everybody involved with film production ever since Le Voyage Dans la Lune has ignored every suggestion to correct the problem. Or B. The actors just don't care. <laughs> now, while I can accept the Commander Adama can produce heirs that do not display any evidence of their paternal patronage, this is in reference to the Capricorn version of Hispanic descent. However, I have a hard time accepting that Edward James Olmos would make that decision. Anyway, even though Mr. Eddie J., one of my, uh, has one of my worst salutes I've ever seen, I will always remember the bright-eyed gaff that stole my heart. Here's to you, Eddie. And then he put a little picture of Edward James almost there. <laughs> many, 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 many years ago. Uh, I don't know what movie that was. I'm not sure what movie that is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, Sean, thanks very much. Uh, good, uh, good email. I suspect that it's probably the military consultants that they do have are so aggrieved over much bigger issues <laughs> that they don't even think it's worth bringing up the proper form of salute thing. <laughs> Uh, okay. Like, look, you guys aren't even teaching people how to hold a gun right. You think I'm going to worry about salutes? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. It's a good point. Good point. Okay. Um, the Facebook find of the week. Okay. So this week is going to go to listener Fishhead. Hey, big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, I can... not me for coining the term L6. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, by the way, I'm assuming the L stands for lost. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, this is going to go the win for uh, the geekiest family portraits ever, <laughs> which were pretty amusing to, were. to see, frankly. Um, I, I got a kick out of watching those. Not not as amusing as the idea of my wife dressing up in any of those costumes was. <laughs> <laughs> like, my kids would totally go for it. You're sure. And the idea of my wife <laughs> agreeing to get into something like that really made me laugh. Let, let me ask you this. What costumes would you want to wear and have your family picture taken in? I don't think there is one. Really? Not, not even I'm one. Not, I'm not, not even a Babylon guy. 5. Like you no. as uh, uh, as uh, as Kosh in your encounter <laughs> suit? Okay, that I would that that I would do. If I was allowed to wear the encounter suit and no one could tell it was me in there? <laughs> Great. That's a fantastic idea. Or Jakar. I know how much you like Jakar. I do love some Jakar, but I, I would not want to do that. Yeah, the nice open-chested robe that he wears. Wouldn't that be wonderful to see? A little Joey man chest. <laughs> it wasn't his chest. There's a rubber chest there. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think about it. Just think okay. about it. I, I, you know, all sort of, the world is open to you. I'm just not a costume kind of guy. Like I don't dress up for Halloween. And and when the costume gets selected for your family to wear for this, I think that should be the costume that you then take to Comic Con with your family, and <laughs> and it would be wonderful to see. Okay. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> as soon as I plan on going to Comic-Con, we'll pick a costume. 
Oh, that's so funny. Um, we do not have a Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Okay. Uh, Brainy did not uh, write in, or at least he hasn't written in yet. He may think it's Saturday still. Yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah we're recording. maybe. Um, but if he doesn't write in, that's okay, Brainy. Uh, you take uh, you know, take all the time off you want. We did. Um, so let's do our top five okay. list, which is top five candy bars or commercial candies of some sort doesn't have to be candy bar okay um so i'm gonna start off with an email from jd oh hey yeah good to hear from you buddy now he's gonna have a couple of things to say beforehand but then we'll get to the the candy bar thing i i forgot that he had written in some stuff ahead of time um Let's see here. Are these the episodes where we find out Edward James almost was a Cylon all along? <laughs> no. Oops. No. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, I still have never watched BSG, so I'm talking out of my aft cargo hold. I do enjoy the Trek West 5 discussions about each episode just the same. I am, though, deeply mired into the third season of Fringe Now. My fiancé and I were are totally hooked on the show, watching two-plus episodes a night via Netflix after the kids are in bed. Joey needs to watch Fringe. I'm not sure how far Pete has gotten into it, but I'd like to hear an update since I wrote in last. Wow, this is, uh, wow, is this an incredible creation. So glad it's commercial-free, and we don't have to wait between <laughs> weeks and season breaks to see what will happen next. Um, so I mentioned all of the, the crap that's been going on with work and how tired I am. I think I've only really watched like one, maybe two, in the last month. Wow. Uh, just because I've been so behind on all of the other stuff yeah. that I have, you know, like the, the, the normal DVR stuff that I haven't been watching. And it's football season. It's football season, and fall football has not even started up yet. Um, so it's it's pretty tough. And uh, hey, there's uh, my friend John Madsen. Everybody, hold, hold for applause. I was waiting. I was expecting to scoot past Aaron. <laughs> no, Aaron. No, Aaron. It's not Saturday. Not Saturday. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, good to see you, John. Yes, it is. So... Onto his actual list. Um, now he put these. He started with number one and then went down to five instead of going five down to one. Okay. So I'm going to start at the bottom. Work up because I'm assuming that number five Reese's peanut butter cups is his number five, not his favorite. Okay. Number four is Baby Ruth. He's never a fan of Baby Ruth. It's okay. Like I would never buy it. <laughs> Okay, but if it's there, if someone gave it to me or like the little fun size baby Ruth, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm sure. That's funny. Is I like the peanut rolls, which I think are basically the same peanut rolls, like a payday. You mean? There's a there's a candy bar called a peanut roll. Oh, it's there. I think it's basically a baby Ruth without the chocolate. Oh, that sounds terrible. It's actually I actually like those. Okay, carry on. JD's list. This coming from the man who hates putting milk on cake. (laughs) Number three. Hershey's milk chocolate. Just plain old chocolate. Okay. Uh, That is my wife's favorite, by the way. Okay. Number two is a Kit Kat. Solid. Solid candy there. Number one is Three Musketeers. 
I used to love Three Musketeers, but I have not eaten one, I don't think, in quite some time. It's just so light. <laughs> so can we, can we non dispel a bit of an urban myth here? Sure, yeah. A lot of people like to suggest that Milky Way and Three Musketeers, that the, the, the names of those brands were actually swapped. That the, the Three Musketeers bar is actually supposed to be the Milky Way bar, and the Milky Way bar is the Three Musketeers. And the reasoning, as I've understood it, is that, well, if you think about in the inside of a Three Musketeers, it's it's all creamy and stuff like you would imagine the Milky Way. Uh-huh. And, and a Milky Way bar has three components, chocolate, caramel, and nougat. So there's there's your Three Musketeers. So this is something that okay. it's, a, it's a very popular opinion that's out there, and it's false. It, it's mostly predicated upon the fact that people are like, well, why is it called Three Musketeers? It's a chocolate bar with a chocolate inside. And the answer to that is that there used to be, in every Three Musketeers package, three different bars, a vanilla, a chocolate, and a strawberry. Yeah, out of town. I did not know that. But the chocolate and the vanilla were not very popular, and so they just stopped including those and the just, chocolate and the vanilla sorry, the vanilla and the strawberry oh okay thank you uh were not very popular so they stopped including those and the, but they kept the brand name because the brand already had such cachet and they huh. just stopped making the other two flavors fantastic well that's a good story a little bit of candy bar history for yeah you. you know i think you've um, earned your right to be on the podcast today hey one that. more week <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so a listener fishhead says, uh, while I'm sure I am forgetting some, these are favorite mass-produced brand name in the U.S. candies. There are several higher-end brands I also like, but these are my go-tos. If um, if you will, because they are or were readily accessible, some seasonal and don't break, break the bank to buy. Honorable mentions, York Peppermint Patty, Baby Ruth, Peanut Butter M&M's, Mint M&M's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Tropical Mike and Ike, <laughs> Pop Rocks, Red Vine Licorice, and Nerds. Wow, that's a long list of honorable yes, mentions. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm just assuming that when he goes grocery shopping, he's just buying tons of candy just all the time. Kind of one out of each. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, Hershey's Kisses Coconut. I have never even heard of this. I think that my wife has some of those laying around. I don't think I've tried them. But... I'm going to go looking for them now because I love the idea of that. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, number four, Hershey's Mint Truffle Kisses. Number three, Adventure Snickers. What? It had coconut and some spices. It was only available around the time Indiana Jones and the Kingdom uh. of the Crystal Skull was in theaters. Interesting. Yeah. Terrible movie. <laughs> Number two, Milky Way Midnight. So a dark chocolate. Yep. yep. Number one, Mounds. Which, good man. Yeah. Really, really good candy bar there. You, I can't find Mounds around. Almond Joys? It, the Well, I only really shop at Smith's, but Almond Joys are the only thing that they have there. They That's don't sell the mounds. 
The Walmart has mounds. Walmart. I yeah. will start going to Walmart to. I got to start stocking up because Halloween's going to be here in a month and a half. I got to start the candy buying. <laughs> well, because I usually like to space it out, you know, so I'm not taking one big hit. Yeah. It's a little bit each I week. I thought you Even were just though, saying, you need that much that you have to start buying now. <laughs> well, with the amount of kids that come through my neighborhood, I do have to buy that much. <laughs> you know, it's usually two or three bags every week for, you know, a few weeks leading up to it, just to make sure I've got enough. Um, okay, so, uh, Dean, very good list. Thank you for sending that in. I think we have one more. Yes, one more. Listener M. Oh, hey, dudes. Man. I was hoping we'd get a list from either Bob or Cy. You know, so we'd get the British invasion on here. You know, I sent this email out pretty late last night. Fair enough. Sorry. It's, it's probably my fault. I'll, I'll accept the blame on you. Hey, dudes. Hope I made it in time for the recording. Joey didn't mention it, uh, but, there, but were there any swear words uttered during his altercation with a horse? I've noticed that it is easy for cowboys to cuss at their horses. No. Is that because your daughter was there? Yeah. <laughs> I try to keep that, you know, their ear, their poor little ears free uh-huh. of that kind of language. Top five list. This is an easy one. Is this a response to the new Google Phone OS promotion? Are you guys getting paid by KitKat? No, we're not. You hadn't heard about that? Uh-uh. Yeah. That's a thing. Look that up. Okay. Um, number five, Twix. Number, which by the way, peanut butter Twix, I just don't see around that much. Yeah. And I like the peanut butter Twix better than way more than the caramel. Really? I was, when I was younger, I'd like to buy both, like a package of each, and then put them back to back and take a bite of mm. both at the same time. They, they blended really well. Sure. Yeah, that's tasty. Number four, Three Musketeers. Number three, Peanut Butter Cups. I'm assuming Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but maybe he's buying the off-brand stuff. <laughs> and, you know, legally he's not allowed to say Reese's. Uh, number two, Ice Cream Sandwich. How, how is that a commercial brand of candy bar? Or candy? I don't know. Um, number one. Choco Tacos. <laughs> oh. Unfortunately, they don't have these at my work break room anymore. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm sure your heart thinks you. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with a Choco Taco, really. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I can go first. You've been talking for a little while over there. All right, thank you. Uh, so my number five is Butterfinger. Good old Bart Simpson standby there. Yeah. The Butterfinger group. Um, number four is the liquid lollipop, especially the blue raspberry flavor. This liquid is, lollipop? I yeah. don't know that I... This is basically flavored high fructose corn syrup <laughs> in a squeezable container. <laughs> that's, that's, really, that's really what it is. You put some food dye, some flavoring, stir it up. Put it in a container. Voila. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, number three is black licorice. Oh. I love that flavor. It's probably one of my top ten flavors ever. Okay, let me ask you this. Because in the world of licorice, there's a few different varieties out there. Yeah. And do you like 
like in my mind, there's uh, I don't think it's Twizzlers. There's like some company that makes licorice, and it's almost this plasticky no it, feel to it. Like what what? Give me your your brand. I don't licorice. know the brand name. I I look for a particular package design. I, I don't know the brand name off okay. the top of my head. It comes in a yellow and red package. It's like a almost like the big plastic beef jerky sacks. <laughs> That's the packaging style. <laughs> You mean like a Slim Jim? <laughs> no, no, no. Like when you buy a big thing of beef jerky, it's okay. got a lot of slight chunks of beef jerky in it. That plastic bag that's resealable at the top. Okay, all right. Um, number two is Hubba Bubba Sour Gummy Tape. Ah, oh. blue raspberry flavor. Unfortunately, they no longer make this. It's it's discontinued. And I'm really disappointed by that. Mm, mm-hmm. My favorite just was rem- to o- just reminded me of one. I got to rewrite my list now. That my favorite was to open the package and leave it out until the gummy tape had gotten actually hard, <laughs> and then and then to break it up and treat it like a hard candy and just suck uh, on it. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, I'm not. I didn't really care for the gummy necessarily. It was the sourness and bitter and sour and sweet flavor combined. And uh, my number one is strawberry tangy taffy. So I'm actually more, much more of a fruit-flavored candy guy than mm-hmm. a chocolate guy. Sure. Yeah, I can appreciate that for sure. Okay, the, good list, except for the licorice, the black <laughs> licorice part. Uh, by the way, this is also why I don't mind when I have to take NyQuil to get over something, because it tastes like black licorice. Oh, I, you know, I've never been a NyQuil guy it, my entire life. Like most people, I think they just, all they know is that they don't like it. But it's so strong that they've never been able to figure out what it is they don't like. I think for most people, it's the anise that they put in there that's hurt, hmm. hurting it. Interesting. Okay, so I've got, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I guess I'll have a couple of honorable mentions. Okay. Um, honorable mention goes to Lemonheads. Okay. And an honorable mention goes to Nerds or Nerds Rope. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that sure. before. You know, with the lemon heads, as soon as I got through the, the tart layer, I, the the rest of the candy was just bland, flavorless sugar. That was always frustrating for me. I wanted the entire thing to taste that lemony mm. tartness. Okay. I, I can't see anything wrong with that. Um, Let's see here. I've got... Oh, I've got to put this list together now. I'm going to say... Probably number five is Reese's Pieces. Okay. Um, I The peanut butter M&M's I've never been a huge fan of, but the Reese's Pieces, I've always eaten them, and I've never once been disappointed. <laughs> ever. It's you know, always been fantastic. I always like to eat the Reese's Pieces by cracking the plastic shell with my fingers, and I try to get all the plastic, the candy shell, try to get all the candy shell off and leave just a little perfect unmarked nubbin of peanut butter and then eat that separately what the hell is wrong with i don't you? know it's a long your list. fingers must be so <laughs> filthy no 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 you, you have to be quick yeah because you can't you can't let yeah, it melt and if there's fail. one thing that i know about you it's your lightning quick speed <laughs> cat like reflexes <laughs> <laughs> i would do that in my mouth like when i put it in i try and break it uh crack it along the sides um, so that I can then essentially have two discs. Okay. And I you know, suck the, the peanut butter out that okay. way. Yeah, the, the whole hand thing. Uh, so what I know. usually do is I'll, I'll try to pick off the That's whole it, top it, the top half. I'll try to crack it around the edge, 
peel off the top half, eat the top half, peel off the bottom half, eat the peanut butter, and then eat the bottom half of the candy shell. I will never share Reese's Pieces with you, <laughs> ever. Well, I, w- I won't do that around you, because I know <laughs> yes, that I would get nothing will. but your disdain. Yes, you will. No. We've really? eaten Reese's Pieces around each other. Have you ever seen me doing it? I'm just saying, now that you know that that would bug me so much, I feel like you would end up doing that. Just like smashing chips all over your desk. (laughs) You knew full well that I hated that, yet you still did it. You still do it to this day, you filthy, filthy man. Well, that went dark. Uh, 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 I feel like maybe this podcast got off track somewhere. (laughs) What were we doing? (laughs) All right. Verbally berating Joey. (laughs) No, carry on. Carry on. We're exactly where we should be. (laughs) Okay. That was number five. Number four, I'm going to give to Sour Patch Kids. That was a late, that was a late uh, addition there. When you mentioned the sour stuff, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sour Patch Kids. Um, ooh, the next ones are tough. I'm going to go with a toffee crisp. Now, this is not a, an American candy bar. This is okay. a British candy bar. This is what I, in Scotland, this is a, a candy bar I came to find, and I loved it. It was spectacular. Loved eating it. Um, number two is going to go to Mounds, uh, because the, the dark chocolate, the coconut, it is fantastic. Um, there is a candy bar over in uh, Britain that's like this. They call it Bounty. Okay. And it's basically very, very similar to that. And uh, I enjoyed that over there as well. Uh, number one is going to go to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups because they have just always been there for me. They've never let me down. And they're super tasty. Even when they maybe got a little too warm and they're a little gooey to, to pull out. <laughs> I still persevered through all of that just to So to when taste that happens, will you lick the paper? I've never been a paper licker. Okay. Really. I, I, I think I've <laughs> what a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's something some terrible, terrible term that I just use there. Uh but uh no, I I guess I've I'm sure I've done it a few times, but I've never been into it that much okay if i know they're that gooey then you know i would let them rest yes cool off okay yeah okay so that's my list okay what about joey's culture corner uh this week it'll be the short story profession by isaac asimov this is uh i think this is probably the first isaac asimov i ever read and i enjoyed it thoroughly as i continued to enjoy isaac asimov for many many years uh the the premise of the short story is in about the year 6000 AD you go on your 8th birthday you go to a, a public center and they run some tests on you and they hook you up to a machine and you come out knowing how to read full vocabulary all at once so it's kind of like the matrix downloading things into your brain idea uh, you continue on this path until you're 18 for 10 years you're just kind of a, you know, you're much the way we are today, a leech on society, but you don't book learn. You don't learn things yourself. You wait until you're 18, and on, on your 18th birthday, they test you, and they find out what kind of brain you have. And based on what kind of brain you have, they say that is your profession for the rest of your life. And they will provide you with pre-recorded tapes that will download that information into your brain on how to be that kind of profession. 
And then you go in and you attend a thing called the Olympics where everyone on earth is trying to compete for the best, the, the jobs in the best of the off world colonies and the colonies come back to earth and, and higher. And the only way, this is the only way that learning happens in the whole universe. And the colonies are frustrated by it because they always have to come back and, and pay for the earth worlders because if they were to try and buy the tapes, earth has always made it so expensive to buy the tapes that it's cheaper to come back and, and hire earthers. Uh-huh. So, so nobody else, has professional skills out there in the galaxy, just people from the home home world. And the the main character of the story is someone who, upon his well, he so as soon as he learns how to read, he decides, you know what, I want to be, I want to be a computer programmer because there's always a need for computer programmers. All the other jobs they kind of fluctuate up and down, but there's always a demand. It's like a steady. It's not never like the star job, but there's always a steady demand for computer programmers. So he starts. He goes out and secretly buys some books and starts to learn on his own to be a computer programmer because before he kind of sets his heart on this, he wants to find out if he'd be suited for it or not. Mm-hmm. So he's teaching himself how to be a computer programmer. And on his what they call education day, the the 18-year-old birthday, he goes in and the test is done and he's told, I'm sorry, your brain is not compatible. We can't give you a profession. Interesting. And he is taken to a place called the Home for the Feeble Minded. <laughs> um, and all of that happens prior to the start of the story. And we get most of that through flashbacks. And so he starts out the story in the Home for the Feeble Minded. And he wants to get out for the day. It's almost kind of like an asylum. Uh-huh. He wants to get out for the day to go watch the Olympics because one of his friends growing up will be trying for a job off world. So. He he does. He manages to get out for the day and goes out and kind of experiences the world. And I don't want to say too much more about this because I don't want to spoil the story. It's a fantastic story, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Um, well, I'll make sure Pete includes the link where you can read it for free online. Uh, but the the big idea of the story I'm going to say is the value of learning, not just learning, but learning how to learn. An important skill in life that I that I hold very dear. It's something that I think is pretty much the sole reason for any success I've had in my career. Hmm. And uh, give the story a thumb up. It's Isaac Asimov, so there's a high likelihood that it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, although I've never heard of it, so it can't be that good. <laughs> well, you are the final arbiter of culture. That's why it's Pete's Culture Corner. No, no, it's not. I would never choose anything that you choose as culture. Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes 17 through 18 of Battlestar Galactica Season 3. And we'll start off with episode 17, Maelstrom. Kara Thrace and her special destiny, which apparently is to die from implosion while chasing a hallucination. (laughs) Now, you made a comment on the (laughs) Facebook page, which... I, I'm just gonna say, good for you for getting in board, you know, getting involved on the Facebook page. <laughs> it's, it's great. The the listeners all want to hear from you. Um, but you, I sensed a bit of frustration. Oh my gosh! So I, you know, I thought as soon as the episode, like as soon as the ship blew up, my wife turned and looked at me and said, "They didn't really just kill Starbuck, did they?" <laughs> and I said. Oh, I'm pretty sure they did. (laughs) 
And so the episode ends, and I got up and I went straight to my computer. And I was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Look, the podcast is gonna want to know how I feel right now." <laughs> And there's no way it's as genuine 24 hours from now as it is right this second. <laughs> and as I sat there in my computer thinking, okay, how can I really express how I feel? And I thought, this, it, it feels like when I got to the end of Lost Season 6. I was like, really? That's what it was all – that is all you're going to give – ah, man. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's Kara Thrace's special destiny is to die being stupid. <laughs> Being the idiot she has been for the past season. You know, now, the past season? The entire time we've seen her. Now She's been a special breed of stupid for the past season. <laughs> the, uh, the thing we have to keep in mind, and which everyone, I'm sure, always likes to point out, is she didn't exactly have the best home life. We do get a glimpse yeah. of kind of why Starbuck is maybe as screwed up as she is. Seems like maybe there wasn't much of a father figure in her home. And she was raised by what I'm just going to go ahead and call an abusive parent. Sure. Yeah, I mean, not only physically, but the mental abuse and anguish that... You know they that she would have been put through like the the whole you know I, um, not spider but uh, insect thing where she's talking about oh my you know I got back to <laughs> my mom because she hates insects by putting these all over the place she broke my hand afterwards by slamming it in a door but it was worth it. <laughs> Like, what is wrong with these people? So Aaron had watched this episode, and I, I came home from last night, and I was so tired and just frustrated and worn out. It, it's been a really long week. I went to bed at 9 o'clock last night. Good for you. It's probably the first time, I'd say, in a year, maybe, that I've gone to bed before midnight. I, I generally... Stay up well past midnight, sometimes up to the latest three or four in the morning. Uh, but I just was so exhausted. But I, I got home, and my wife, her her book group was there. Mm -hmm. They were chatting about their latest book that they read. And so I thought, well, I better not just go in and go straight to bed, or it's going to be, you know, it's going to reflect poorly on my wife. Everybody's going to be like, oh, what's wrong with him? He just comes home and go to bed, you know. So I went downstairs, and I played with the kids for a little while. And Aaron came out and asked me, Hey, can you take me to Maverick to pump up my bike tire? I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can't go to bed until the book group's done anyway. So he went out and he got he was getting the the bike ready for me to take him down. And while that happened, the book group ended, mm -hmm. and my wife and kids said, okay, you know, it's it's time for family prayer, and we we read a scripture every night before we go to bed. So we did that. And I, you know, and I was telling Aaron, I'm just, I'm just so tired. I, I, I mean, I'll take you. I understand you. He has like a three mile walk to work every morning. If yeah. he doesn't have his bike working, I'm like, okay, you know what? Just be aware. I'm tired. Mm. I'm grumpy. I'm not in a mood to be trifled with right now. Let's just drive and get this taken care of. And as we're starting to pull out of the garage, my daughter comes running out of the out of the house, whom I had just tucked into bed, and she's got her stuffed animals with her well she's got she's got two stuffed animals uh one of them's name is sashenko it's a it's a I, white uh, yeah. tiger mm -hmm. and yep. the other one's name is nikita it's also a white tiger the nikita or nikki and sasha are what we call them for short sasha is a bigger animal and nikki is a smaller one 
My daughter comes running out with her stuffed animals held over her head. Dad, Dad, you forgot to say goodnight to Nikki and Sasha. Because I, I give them a kiss goodnight when I give my daughter a kiss, but I had forgotten to do it. <laughs> so I turned the car off, and I got out and gave Sasha and Nikki a kiss goodnight and sent my daughter back to bed. And Aaron had apparently just finished watching Maelstrom. So I get in the car, and he looked at me, and he said, at what point in your life did you realize I need to be three orders of magnitude better of a father than I had? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm aiming for one order of magnitude. <laughs> I feel like maybe if each generation we can go up one order of magnitude, then you know, maybe in five or six generations we'll have a decent family. <laughs> and he said, no way on earth does our dad ever stop what he's doing to kiss a stuffed animal goodnight. <laughs> Especially not when he comes home and he's already tired and grumpy and he's told everyone he's tired and grumpy. There's no way he, he puts up with that. And yet you just, you know, you stop the car and you, you kiss the animals. I'm like, well, you know, I, I want it to be a thing for her that, you know, this is how she, she sees that I take her cares seriously. Uh-huh. I just mentioned that as a way of contrast to say, you know, there's there's different styles of parenting. Uh, personally, not a fan of the slamming the kid's hand in the door. Method. Oh, okay. Well, we were all curious, <laughs> but now we know. That's great. Um, yeah, that's pretty messed up. Way, way messed up. Um, anyway, okay, l- let's just do the, the episode proper. Like, um, I started off by saying, oh, great, a Starbuck episode. <laughs> and... I was kind of wrong because I actually like this episode. Okay. Um, so because she dies, <laughs> is well, that, that why you like it, Pete? That helps. <laughs> but for the most part, it we, it was a more humanizing episode for Starbuck. I can't okay. relate to her with all of the crap that she does so many times. Uh, previous to to this episode, this I could kind of relate a little bit, and I guess that's maybe that's why I was never turned off by her to the extent that you were, because I actually had a period in my life where I did a lot of things mm, similar to mm-hmm. what Starbucks does, probably for similar you know damaged goods reasons, uh, and, and so I you know for me it was just kind of like you're right, it did lift Starbucks a little bit. We got to see her. I thought it was very interesting that the entire episode, we kind of, it's almost like we are trapped in Starbucks' frame of mind and everything seems a little surreal and disjointed. The story kind of jumps around a lot. It's not a very smooth story, which I think it helps put us in that same frame of mind. Hmm. Yeah, but okay. I wasn't a fan of the starting of the episode with an erotic dream of her and Leoben. Uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Um, I was just going to jump to, you know, she's seeing things um, in her cockpit yeah, that, you know, just apparently aren't there. And so she gets some advice. I can't remember who it's from to go see this Oracle. Lee, I think. No, couldn't have been Lee. He told her to go see a psychiatrist and she said no. And he said, then at least go see the Oracle. It wasn't Lee. Okay. Couldn't have been Lee. Okay. Um, so she goes there and this Oracle starts quoting Leoben to her and stuff that she never told anyone about. And they, uh, um, they end with, 
he'll show you the way. Kind of ominous. You know, how does this person know about this? She's and a Cylon. The Oracle? No, I just didn't. <laughs> it's an easy answer to everything. She's a Cylon. Nope. That one's a Cylon. Rosalind's a Cylon. They're all Cylons. Um, so then we get into seeing, you know, the um the screwed up nature of her childhood. Um, and once again she's in the cockpit and she's chasing after this shadow that you know, really isn't there. Uh, let's see here. You're Lee. Do you ground Starbuck after that first incident? Um, she's clearly not right right now. Yeah. So she is. She's remembering. You know the the painting stuff. We saw that in the the beginning of the episode. You know the the circular thing. Uh-huh. And then you know part Mandala. of her hallucination. She sees that within this cloud structure yes. and so that's what makes her you know go down inside um and i think yeah the answer has got to be to ground her because mentally she is absolutely not there yeah and then you know later on we're gonna see that she loses it again uh somewhere along like she's just like sitting there next to her her fighter and she doesn't get grounded again yeah it's like okay, that's all right. You can work through this. We we like old, old Starbuck. Starbuck. Yeah. Um, I assume you would ground her as well. Yes, I would. Okay. Let's see here. Starbuck snaps um, and can't fly. Be oh, because she remembered her childhood. Um, another phantom raider then shows up. She takes a hit. Something hits her, and we know that's real because it comes through the glass. Yeah. And we can see behind her, you know, the the hole where it lodged into her seat. Um, and then she starts this hallucination with Leoben. And I got to say, I think it's probably the introduction of the Leoben stuff that really starts to make it awesome for me. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, bef- prior to her death, again, you have to remember, I did not know she was going to die here. But my note was, oh, great. Now we're going to have a head Leoben running around <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Head <laughs> um, Leoben is the one who really seems like he would be in everybody's heads, though, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so I wrote, I don't know, I just wrote the word fear. She's afraid, maybe? I don't know why I wrote the word fear there. Uh, you know, she, as she's going down, as she's dying, basically... She mentions that she's not afraid anymore. Maybe you were going for the fact that fear is a response that helps keep us from doing certain stupid things. Oh, sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. I that my I don't want to die right now has kept me from doing a lot of things <laughs> in my life. Um so we we see the domineering mother who just constantly is putting down Starbuck. Even, you know, 16th out of 118 and she's like, oh, what? You couldn't make number one? <laughs> you know, with all of her smoking. Um, at one point I wrote, because, again, I didn't remember this episode. I wrote, is Leoban the ghost of Christmas past? <laughs> because he kind of takes her back oh, to okay, visit okay. all of this stuff. And like, I see where you're going with that. Kind of that did not make gives sense her a chance to relive these moments and... Do it differently, and what would happen here if you know? Um, anyway, K 
Kara uh, is going to do it. Oh yeah, Kara's gonna do it. She's gonna die. Yeah, and she, you know, she's really broken up about the death of her mother. Uh huh. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I'm I'm not angry at my dad anymore for the way I was raised. I get now the you know the what what prompted it and how he got into that state. Not making excuses for the man, but I'm saying you know what he had his own mess. I have mine. Not angry about it anymore. But I guarantee you, I will not be crying at that man's funeral. It's just not going to happen. I'll be sad maybe and be like, oh, you know, he lived a life. All right. (laughs) He lived a life. I'm not going to say he lived a good life. That would be a lie. (laughs) It's like saying, yeah, he consumed oxygen for several years. (laughs) That was a thing that happened. Oh, I feel like you need a speaker for the dead for uh, for your dad. Yeah, it's somehow. not going to be me. Yeah, <laughs> ain't going to be me, pal. <laughs> uh, I wrote a quote here: "The space between life and death," which is, I I think, kind of. Leo where, mentions that. Yeah, I think that's kind of. It's in reference to, I think the um, oh uh, xenolon, because it kind of oh you know, kind of talks about a that. little bit about that. Because that's where she's like yeah. being able to capture and see this this information about who those people. Wait, so humans can go to Cylons. that state? Well, remember it's Leoban that's saying it. So, okay. uh, but he actually said he's not a Leoban. Yeah, yeah, I get. Okay, I guess you're he's right. like I'm just some part of your consciousness here to help you process this. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't I don't have an answer for you. Uh, and then the last quote I wrote is. Um, talking to Lee, I'll see you on the other side. Just let me go. And I think that's just kind of Kara. That's her, you know, see you later. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I've done all of this and I'm, I'm out. And then her Raptor or not Raptor Viper explodes and everybody's like, what the heck? You know, and there's, there's no parachute. Yeah, she's not coming back out of this. Yep. Boom, goodbye. Uh, should have imploded though, not exploded. Why? Im- why imploded? Because we were given information earlier in the episode that if she hit that point, that there would be so much pressure it would crush her ship like a tin can. Ty said that. Yeah, but I don't think she was down below that that hard deck level. I think. I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, okay, if she, she wasn't below the hard deck level, it still doesn't make sense that the ship exploded because nothing hit her. That's true. So I'm I don't confused know. by that. I, my my the, last the note ship is, is no more. <laughs> yeah, well, that's clear. That, that's clear. Absolutely. Yeah. My last note is Kara's dead, and everyone is a little bit to blame. Kara, Lee, Bill, Ty, and Agathon certainly in this episode all bear some degree of the guilt for her death. Yeah, but mostly Kara. Not, mostly not, Kara. Not going to disagree with you there. Okay. Um, okay, I don't have any more... Do we have any comments? Else to say, yeah, we do have a couple of emails that uh, people sent in. Um, let me ask you this. Are you kind of... Are you broken up about the fact that she's dead? I'm, I'm not broken up about the loss of the character. I'm broken up about the loss of payoff for the in- emotional investment into the character. And oh, she's just, okay. She's just dead okay. and there's no reason. It's just senseless. In some ways, I kind of think, you know what? I, 
it's amazing that she hasn't already offed herself. Sure. Yeah. Like in, in some degree, I kind of think like some she of the could things have still that she's brought done. herself out of this, but this is, you know, this is, um, you know, suicide by inaction, basically. I'm just you know, saying I'm just gonna it, let it seemed like go. they built her up to be such a central character that the whole, you know, the painting of the maelstrom and all that stuff, all that really was just to lead to, hey, she's going to die in this most ridiculous way. Listen, just a heads up for you. A lot of people are going to die. <laughs> They're, yeah. It's not the death that's we're, the problem. We're it's not the done, senselessness. We're not of the done death. dying people yet. Sure. So, um, okay. Listener M, he Hope, said. Hopefully, Anders is next, by the way. <laughs> Now that now that she's gone, what use is that character? <laughs> hey guys, Maelstrom. In case I don't have time to write more, I don't understand the controversy here. Starbuck probably should have been killed or died long before based on her lifestyle. And it also proves the point that only the good die young. <laughs> Thank you, Billy Joel. <laughs> TV6, Sci-Fi 6, uh, listener M. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Go to... I don't think I had anything for JD. Nope, no JD. And I don't think Dean had anything. No. So uh, just uh, listener M for tonight. Um, okay. Pete, science fiction rating. I'm going to give this a 7. I It's Starbuck. And there, it's a lot of you know mental stuff here, but I still think they did a really good job. It actually made me enjoy a Starbuck episode um, in the midst of this. I, I really do think that you know, from a science fiction perspective, you know, playing with that whole hallucination, the Oracle uh, flying around, and you know, this mystical Cylon Raider that's flying around that she can't see. Uh, I, I give it a seven. Uh, I give it an eight, pretty much for the same reasons. Okay. Uh, for television, I give this a seven. Again, it was Starbuck heavy, but when they added in the the Leoban stuff, it really brought it up for me. Uh, not just because of what that character represents, but because of that actor, I think, is a, a very um, good, has a way of portraying the Leoban character that brings it so much emotion and soul to it that I don't know that we would get from other people. So yeah, seven. I actually gave this a nine oh. uh, as for television, as frustrated as I am about the lack of payoff for the investment that we've been asked to make into the character. This episode was really good. I really liked it. There, there were a lot of things I enjoyed going on. I liked, like as I mentioned earlier, I liked that a combination of writing and editing allowed us to see from Starbucks perspective and feel some of that disorientation. Uh, I, I just, I think they did a fantastic job with this episode. Moving on to our next episode. The sun also rises. Baltar's upcoming trial starts to heat up and Lee gets involved in the, in the defense. All right. Interesting episode. Yeah. Uh, like it, hate it. Uh, it was mediocre. Yeah, I'm. That's kind of where I'm at as well. Um, I'm not a huge fan of what they. Well, I suppose I can't be surprised by what they do with Lee, because so many times Lee has just Lee has just bucked the system and been like, <laughs> "No, this is this is wrong. I I'm gonna do what I think is right." Yeah. Um, and maybe you know. Morally accurate for him, but morally ambiguous 
for everybody else. Yep. Like everyone's surprised about the decision that's made. Um, okay, so we start off, uh, you know, a reminder of dead Kara. Yep. And the Adama's going through this box or, I don't know, this thing the, about the her file. Life. Yeah, of, the file, her. I guess. Um, I'm just going to say it now. I hope when I'm gone, nobody wastes their time with something like that. <laughs> I mean, like, I wouldn't mind it if you told my kids stories about me every once in a while, Pete. Or, you know, maybe play a podcast for them, episode for them every once in a while. Your dad was so fat. <laughs> he could barely even get up the stairs. <laughs> I- I'm just saying, this is like the most unproductive waste of emotion, in my opinion. And I- it frustrates me to see people do it on TV. It frustrates me even more to see people do it in real life. Uh, I have no problem with people dealing with the, the grief in-, in such a way um as to whatever works for them uh, assuming it that it, it's not going to what who are you to say Adama tells us himself that it didn't work that going through those personal files didn't help him he did not say anything like that he he he's saying that he's still hurting inside right so it didn't work oh brother yeah because that was going to be the one thing that solved it all like Ah, yes. And now I can close that chapter in See? my book. You're but making no my argument for compa- me. No one is that compartmentalized. You're making my argument for me. No. Other people enjoy feeling things, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> They're not as closed off and vacant as you are. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with people okay. choosing. I-, I do have a problem when it. they never get over it. And it becomes an obsession for them. That's clearly also wrong. Uh, but there's there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I'm going to miss this person. It's an empty hole in my heart. Um, no, I'm probably not going to uh, uh, sit and pine over you. Most likely dance over your grave. <laughs> um, Make it a jig. Salt the earth so that nothing <laughs> will grow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am the salt of the earth. <laughs> um, but I, I just I there there you can't you can't expect someone who who feels genuine human emotion to not also uh, uh, have that shown when when someone is taken away. I, from them. I totally understand that you feel bad and that you have emotions. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the sitting and going through her life. As though that's somehow going to make you feel better about anything. I don't buy that it makes people feel better. I think it makes them feel worse. And it's a way of wallowing in their misery. I The person who I think is wallowing, which you would agree with, is Anders. I sure. don't feel yeah. like that is an appropriate way to do it. But, but that's just because you know that's not the way I would do it. Okay. So it's therefore wrong. Um, during all of this, they are choosing captains for the trial. So amongst the fleet... They are choosing all of the captains of the ships, and lo and behold, uh, Admiral Adama is chosen. Yeah, and so this, I, I thought this it was interesting. They interesting. only showed us one other name that got drawn: uh-huh. Captain Elias Meeker of the Gideon. Okay, makes me wonder if that guy is going to become an, an important character further down the road. Else, why show us that one name and not the other three? I don't think it is. Okay. Uh, just because I don't remember anything important about any of those <laughs> okay. uh, captains, other than they were captains sitting there 
you know, they, they're involved in that court. Trial. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Adama. Uh, oh, yeah. I already said that. Baltar's lawyer is assassinated. Yep. Killed so, by a bomber. Kind of sound like he was a, a, a jerk of a guy anyway, so maybe that's not that much of a loss well, beyond look, the, the loss of genetic material for He's a lawyer, humanity. first of all. <laughs> first thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, second of all, he he he's he's defending Baltar. I mean, even okay. So let's just get to this now, then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clearly, Baltar is terrible. Yes, I I don't know that it's been explicitly stated what crime it is they're charging him for, but the man is. Guilty. I mean, he helped the Cylons eradicate yeah. the the colonies. He, he signed he those did death warrants. Terrible things. Um, I'd give him a pass on some of the things. Like when you have, you know, your a gun pointed to your head, you're not really in charge there anyway. That that decision has been made, and yes, for his soul, his personal soul, he should have said, "No, I'm not going to sign," and let him be blown away. Then I can respect him more. But I don't lay the blame for Mm. all of that on his feet. Um, But there's plenty of other stuff. (laughs) He's done plenty. Yes. So I I have absolutely no problem with lawyers defending people, even the guilty ones. Okay. And I think you do too. Yeah, you're right. And while it's... Nice and preferable if we can all just meet out our own personal style of justice to say, oh, yeah, you totally seem guilty. I am just going to sentence you now. <laughs> That's not fair to them. And it would not be fair to you if you were in that situation. Sure. No, you'd right. want to be able to say, no, I have my voice. I get to have my say here. Um, yeah, it's the people who do it. I, I, like, I get the kind of the Joseph Adama or Lee Adama's style of here's why I'm doing this. It it seems like the right thing to do to give the man, if not necessarily a good trial, at least a fair or just trial. Um, but this guy kind of seemed to do it just because he was kind of a slimy kind of guy. Yeah, they painted him really well. Like we shouldn't feel that bad. Yeah. Like we're, I think we're almost kind of like cheering for the assassin <laughs> uh, in this because you know, yeah, that guy was kind of a jerk. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Lee is distracted. Yeah, he calls again. racetrack Starbuck. Yep. Ooh. Uh, that awkward. was awkward. Very awkward. Um, and then we're introduced to the new lawyer, which took you a second to recognize. Badger. Well, it didn't take me a second to recognize. It took me a second to believe it. <laughs> I'm like, boy, that looks like Badger. And then he spoke. I'm like, turned to you and I said, is that is that Badger? I think that's Badger. Yeah. Um, he is one of those actors that I don't think he's really on long-term stuff. I think he's like floats from character to character because he can do so many of those yeah. things and he's good at it. I thought it was interesting. His character's name is Lampkin. Uh-huh. Romo Lampkin. Lampkin. Okay. Which I believe is the name of the, the guy in Pinocchio that leads Pinocchio to a life of crime and, and laziness and so forth. Oh, really? Yeah. It has been literally decades since <laughs> I have seen Pinocchio. 
I'm not 100% certain because I haven't seen it myself probably in a good 15 years. But uh-huh. I, I believe that Lampkin was the name of the, the, the miscreant that led Pinocchio astray. Okay. Let's get our fact checkers on that right away. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Lee is benched and put on guard duty for this new lawyer. And Hilo is promoted to CAG. Yeah. I'm You're okay with that? I'm good with that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, my question, how in the world does Gaius Baltar have a pen? Yeah. How does he get this pen? And how does he keep it? And how in the world do, like, they have to be doing searches on the man. After all, with all of the paper, like, after every time his lawyer leaves, someone should be going in there and saying, okay, strip down. Yeah. Right now. Let's do a cavity search. Bend over. Apparently, criminal justice system has changed a lot since they diverged from us. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, there's a bomb on the raptor. So, uh, uh, Romo decides he wants to go over to Colonial One. They're getting over there. His cat escapes, and they're <laughs> trying to... Convenient. Trying to catch it, and then... They see that there's a bomb. They're like, oh, everybody get off, get off, get off. Um, and uh, let's see here. So Adama and Lee have this little confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Adama says, I gave you explicit orders. Okay. Well, I'm not going to argue the statement that he gave him explicit orders. <laughs> At no point did he give him explicit orders not to leave Galactica. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. It was heavily implied, perhaps. Agreed. But there was no explicit order, don't leave Galactica. There wasn't even an explicit order, don't pilot a ship. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, you're correct. So I just thought it was funny because he says, I gave you explicit orders. I'm like, well, yes, <laughs> you did several times, in fact, over the past three uh, three seasons. Um, so during this, I, I feel like Adama's disappointed because he feels like Lee is getting led around by this lawyer and, you know, he's not standing up for himself and saying no to this lawyer. Um, and he then suggests that he is negligent because he's like, Hey, you are supposed to be protecting him. And he's like, yeah, but you know, the, the, the bomb didn't go off or something like that. And he's like, there was a bomb there. Like, why in the world didn't you catch that? Yeah. That's your job. So I wanted to ask you, do you feel like Lee was negligent? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was interesting. It's clear that he should not be the CAG right now. Although personally, I think it should be racetrack rather than Agathon. Really? Why? She's clearly the better pilot. I think it's probably being done off of seniority. Oh, uh, Okay. I, I would think that you'd because want the... um, uh, Hilo isn't even a Viper pilot. Well, yeah, that's why I had an issue with it. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's like the commander of the air group isn't even. Uh, he doesn't fly a fighter. He flies <laughs> an electronic communication. Uh, you, ship. you people who think that the hotshot jocks are the ones who are <laughs> supposed to be in charge of everything, I'm sure he can fly a Viper just fine. He just chooses not to. <laughs> It sounds a little bit of sour grapes coming out there, Pete. <laughs> uh, they they have this interesting conversation between Lee and and Admiral Adama, 
Uh, great line from Admiral Dama, don't you dare try to quantify my loss. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was great. And, you know, it, it it is, as much as I express frustration about the way that Admiral Adama is trying to deal with the loss, um, it, it is a hard thing to ever to understand what someone else is going through. And probably something that I could do a better job of being more sensitive about. Pete, mm-hmm. you definitely could do a better job of being more sensitive about it. Because I'm always going through a lot and you never give me any respect <laughs> for that. <laughs> I can get that out of the straight face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because uh, there will never come a time when I am going to give you any allowances for anything. Fair enough. <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh. Why do they get to watch the Caprica Six interview? So the that seemed weird to me. The the argument that Adama makes, Admiral mm. Adama makes, is both sides have to be under the same restrictions, uh-huh. and we watched the prosecution's interview of Caprica Six. Yeah, because at that point we were looking for military information, right? We were trying to find out what you know are the Cylons right on our tail, or you know, I mean, it was very fresh at that point. Well, I think what he meant by prosecutor is the prosecutor in this Baltar case. Yes, I agree. But I'm saying he was in there, I think, originally with the prosecutor. I imagine he was there to try and find out, okay, as the fleet, what do I, what can I glean from this interview about the threat to the fleet from the Cylons? Yeah, see, I, he shouldn't be in there at all. He okay. should absolutely be sequestered away from this. If you feel like there needs to be somebody from a military perspective there to gain military advantage, fine. Put Colonel Ty in there. Or, oh, you're, or saying some because other he's, you're saying because he's yeah. a judge. Yeah. I had the impression that the prosecution interview of Caprica 6 happened before he was selected as a judge. I, I We're given no information one way or the other. Okay. Don't know. But I definitely – I don't think that anybody else should be in there watching this. And, okay, fine. If they were, for some reason, definitely Admiral Adama should not be in there. Absolutely not. Okay. And, you know, it seemed weird. Like, the questions he was asking her doesn't even really seem like he may call her as a witness. Oh, yeah. Definitely he will. I, I don't know. He, he was trying to reignite her emotion, her – Positive emotions mm-hmm. for Baltar, sure. so that if he calls her as a witness, she's feeling positive about him, rather than the way the current interview started, which was he is a liar and feckless and, and a terrible sample. I should have put the knife in him myself. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Um, let's see here. Quote: I feel like part of our world just fell down. Yeah, that's Rosalind. Yes, after the the interview is done, because she's realizing. Just how incredibly effective Lampkin is. Yeah, yeah, he's a good attorney. Manipulating situations. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, so we ha- we see this huddle of of Caprica or sorry of Galactica crew talking about the bomber, and Callie actually mentions Aaron's pet theory, which is. That the Cylons know exactly where the fleet is. They're just sitting back and waiting for humanity to destroy itself <laughs> and then come in and pick up the mess. <laughs> you, which you suggested earlier on as well. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, the next step we see here is uh, Romo 
basically he toys around with Lee a little bit here um, with, uh, um, you know, talking about his grandfather and why he did the things he did. And then he's like, you know what? Uh, are we done here? Is the cross-examination done? I want to go to the bathroom. So they leave. And as, just as he's about to enter into this door, one of the, the soldiers notices. This, it's like, oh, there's a screw on the ground. What? Why is there a screw on the ground? Well, because if you're a mad bomber, you're not paying attention to details. Yeah, I guess. Maybe you're in a rush. And he comes quickly, pushes him out of the way. He takes the brunt of the explosion. Yeah. Um, Notice and, they don't tell us what happened to that guy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably safe to assume he's dead. Well, I guess we'll find out next week when if the population count goes down <laughs> by one. Um, it has to go down by two. It would. The um, uh, We next see him in the hospital. We find that he's a bit of a kleptomaniac. Yeah. Um, he actually stole that button, which during the episode you were like, wait, why did uh, Dama just touch his gut there? And it was because... It was the button that he had had taken yep. off of him. Um, then we find out he pulls out this thing, which I, we have no idea what that is, except for Lee says, why do you have this? It's the detonators. It wasn't a detonator, though. It's the things that we saw Boomer steal way back in the episode Water. That she was using to set off those bombs. Maybe that's what that is. I I really don't remember that far back, but I know it wasn't a detonator because that thing blinked, uh, and there was like a little spiky thing, like a thermometer that went into it. <laughs> um. Anyway, come to find out, he stole that from that guy Kelly, and he was the bomber. He had been setting all of this stuff, and he says, "You know what? I'm just going to keep continuing to do this. You better put me away here." Yeah. My question is. Why kill the lawyer? The lawyers aren't the the bad people here. It's Baltar. Well, he obviously can't get to Baltar, but if he can make sure that Baltar's offense, defense is always ineffectual, then he gets to Baltar indirectly. I disagree. I think it's probably very easy to get into to Baltar. Um, and it's... Just that quick, throw a bomb through the, the cell doors, boom, bye-bye, Baltar. You don't think the uh, the Marines that guard the cells would stop you? I bet he could buddy up to them. Hmm. I absolutely think that that could be done. Okay. Um, it makes sense to me. I, I just thought it was interesting how completely unapologetic he was about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and didn't even care. He's like, oh, you know... If you'd gotten hurt, oh well, kind of attitude to Lee. Uh-huh. So, Lee decides to join the Baltar defense. Has a big spat with his father about this. Um, and in the heat of the moment, he says, no, I'm not going to do this. And he's taken off the board as the CAG. Um, and I guess we're all kind of left to think, yeah, he just got played by Romo here. Especially... Once we see that the letter is delivered with the pen to Baltar, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, we're never going to have a better person on our side than one who's trying to outdo his father or something like that. Yeah, um, awesome, awesome setup. And uh, that's it, where my notes end. It, it looks at one point in this episode like maybe uh, President Rosalind and her staff are trying to stymie the defense. 
you know, I think that that might be that like Lee kind of looks frustrated with the fact that they can't find these files that Lampkin asked for. Yes. And I just yes. wanted to throw out there Hanlon's razor. Never attribute to malice anything that can be explained by stupidity. So it's possible, but I full well also believe that it's very possible that they're like, yeah, I don't know. We'll maybe give it to him sometime. <laughs> you know, maybe the, that uh, assistant of the the president there has just been sitting on Tory. them for a while. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing was uh, there's some really jerky camera work in this episode. I don't know if you noticed that. Almost at one point, I was thinking it's like they have an amateur running that camera. <laughs> the the zooming and the panning were not the smooth style. I don't know if it was an intentional stylistic decision or if it really just was a failure on the part of one of the cameramen. It certainly caught my attention. Well, I I wonder if maybe there was a different or like a different director who wanted it done. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know if well. it was a stylistic decision. I never on, I never purpose. bothered to pay attention to to any of those um, people. Which I feel bad about saying now because they seem like an incredibly integral part of the television <laughs> experience. Yet we only want to ever give it to the uh, the actors. No, the writers. Um. Okay. Anything else that you want to mention? No. All right. Uh, let's go back to listener M, who says, watching through BSG a second time. Anytime there is a lot of Apollo, I am bugged by how good his American accent is. By the way, he's Australian. Okay. Didn't know, I didn't know that. that. Yeah. It was better when I didn't know that the actor is British. British, I swore he was Australian. You're Don't the, say it. Don't say it. You're asking the guy who thought he was an American? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if this sort of thing will bug Joey now. No, it bug you? No. No. Okay. Also, this episode brings up an interesting point. What would be the best thing to do with the surviving pet population? When humanity is almost extinct, would it make much sense to allow pets to remain in no. the fleet? Is the, If there are not too many, then we could let them live out the remainder of their natural lives. No. Also, shouldn't it be easy to control pests on, um, on starships? Anything that is not supposed to be on a ship could be vented into space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as pets go, I'm only okay with keeping them long enough to eat them. <laughs> okay. Especially when all we're eating is algae. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's real protein running around right there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I actually just recently put my foot down and made my wife flush the fish. So we are pet free. Well... No, that's not true either. Uh, we were pet-free for about 15 <laughs> minutes, and then my daughter caught a snail, and our old fish tank became a snail habitat. <laughs> She's now got like 15 snails in that oh thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. And each one of them has a name. Could she tell them apart? Yes. All well, right. let's put it this way. She thinks she can tell them apart, and I'm not going to pay enough attention to find out whether or not she's right. <laughs> good distinction. <laughs> uh, Mark continues, Callie brings up a good point about the Cylons letting humanity destroy itself. It turns out that Lee is not like his father, although they are both stubborn. So that is one way they are alike. Television 6, Sci-Fi 5, have a great week. 
M. Uh, Mark, thanks very much for the email. Uh, same goes to uh, uh, Fishhead and JD um, and Duke. Uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to actually email in. It's always nice of you. Um, okay, Joey, what uh, science fiction rating do you give? I gave this a four, and I think that's pretty generous. It is happening in space. Yes, yeah, yeah. I gave this a four, also being generous. Uh, for television, I gave this a six, which actually, if you think about it, for a Mad Bomber episode is a pretty good rating. <laughs> I mean, normally we have nothing but disdain for the Mad Bomber episodes, but I think Lampkin saves this episode a little bit. That's just it. It takes a dive for me. I almost wrote a six. I'm going to give it a five. I think it's almost too over the top, this character of Lampkin. Okay. I like um, the actor because he's been in so many wonderful things that I have enjoyed, uh, but I just think it's written poorly. Okay. And it doesn't come off super well. And again, being generous with the five. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.